Welcome to the Global Business Women's Pod, brought to you by the Greater Houston Women's Chamber of Commerce. I am Susan Dyson and proud to be the CEO, President, and Founder of the Chamber. Please join us for this empowering podcast every Thursday at 6 p.m. Hi there. So I was getting dressed and I decided to wear this outfit because I feel very confident in it. And I get to the office today and my dispatcher and one of my movers are standing there and my dispatcher says, you look good today. And I said, well, thank you. And he says, you look like you work in a garage. (laughs) And I said, a a garage? And then my mover goes, yeah, you look like an auto mechanic. I was like, that's not exactly the the look I was looking for. But how many of you have heard of three men movers or have used three men movers before? Awesome. Thank you so much for trusting us into your homes. Um, Dream of Movers has grown to be a big company, but it wasn't always a big, successful company. And I I have the privilege to be here today to tell you a little bit about my journey and how I got here, a little bit about my family, and a little bit about this book that I just wrote. So it started a long time ago, back in the 80s. Um, My dad was a serial entrepreneur. And I think a lot of times we think of serial entrepreneurs as getting seed money, growing these large businesses, selling them, making a lot of money, and starting all over again. But I think a lot of times being a serial entrepreneur is starting a business, having it fail, collecting yourself together, and doing it again and again and again until something pans out. Well, his business had failed up in Illinois, that's where I was from, in a very small community. And he decided to move to Houston to start over again. When he arrived in Houston, I mean, we literally threw everything in a pickup truck. We didn't have money for movers. And we got here, and um, we hit the the recession in Houston at that time with the, the savings and loan crash. It was really a mess. And my dad started a a business that uh, built furniture. And soon, that went under. And at the time, my mom was working at the public library. And she was making minimum wage. And we lived on her job. And sometimes, you know, we were able to make ends meet. And sometimes the lights got turned off. And for my dad, this was really hard on him. He was old-fashioned. He was born in 1936. And it does something to a man when you can't take care of your wife and your child. And he started this this furniture company, and it went out of business. And so we were stuck with this delivery truck and a stack of bills to pay. And he thought, I'm going to put an ad in the green sheet. I don't know if you guys know the green sheet, right? Many years ago before Craigslist. And he said, I'm going to put an ad in the green sheet, and I'm going to start moving furniture for just a few months until I can make some money and think of something better to do. And that was 38 years ago. And now we do about 40,000 moves a year. We have operations in San Antonio, Austin, Dallas, and of course here in Houston. Um, Now, where did I come into all of this? Well, I was 12 when he started the business. And I would rush home from school, and I would check the, the, the little cassette player and get the messages, and I'd call people up and book moves. So I was in the business early on. 
But as I, as I grew up, I moved out and I started a school at University of Houston and I was pursuing a, a design major with, with a minor in architecture. In 2002, my dad had a stroke and it was a really bad stroke and he wasn't able to perform like he used to. And the business started to crater a little bit, the core culture, what made us us, it was really him, and he wasn't around as much. And he called me up and he asked me if I would come to work for him, just for a few weeks, and just kind of talk to him about maybe what he needed to do. Which if I think back on it, that was pretty ridiculous because I knew nothing about business. So I don't, I don't know why he asked me and I don't know why I agreed to it, but this, this happened this way. So I go in and um, I start working in the family business and a couple weeks turned into a year. And I realized a couple of things. Number one, I loved what I was doing. Number two, I did not like working for my dad. We butted heads a lot. And when I say butted heads, usually he was yelling and I was saying, yes, sir. So that was kind of the way we butted heads. So um, during that time, uh, I decided that I was going to quit my job. And I practiced in front of the mirror several times and I finally got the courage enough to tell my dad that I was gonna quit my job and midway through it, I was at the part where I said, I appreciate the opportunity. He said, get the hell out of here. I don't need you anyway. Now, that was pretty harsh words, and I cried all the way home. But, um, you know, looking back on it, I think the rejection hurt him, and when he got hurt, he got mad. So um, I left, and about a week later, a funny thing happened. It was not a Monday morning business meeting when the drivers took an invoice, and they signed all their names to it, and they gave that invoice to my dad. And they said to my dad, we want your daughter to come back and run the company. And with that, my dad asked me to come back. And I said, I'd come back under one condition, if you sell the business to me. So I went out to get a loan. I wasn't very successful. At the time, I thought maybe they were sexes, but now I look back on it and think, they would have been crazy to loan me any money. I mean, I only had the job because I was, you know, related to the owner. I had been working there less than a year. I had no business experience. I, I didn't know what I was doing, but I thought I did. I was very enthusiastic. Um, so I went back to my dad and I said, look, I went to nine different banks. I got told no nine different times. He said, don't worry about it. For you bankers, I'm, I apologize. But he said, I don't like bankers anyway. And uh, he loaned me the money. And it was 6% interest over 15 years, which 6% sounds good now, right? At the time, it was, it was all right. But anyway, so um, he was able to retire, and I was able to run a business. The only thing is, is I didn't know how to run a business. <laughs> and so, um, and I was doing things that we were actually becoming more successful um, because I was doing these little things like, uh, when the phone rings, maybe we should answer it. Because, you know, my dad wasn't working there and people were just, and they weren't answering the phone, like things like that. And pretty soon, you know, I was like walking around like I was like some business guru, right? Like Mark Cuban or something. I didn't know what I was doing. So um, I found, my, this was before the internet. I was like at the public library checking out books on uh, reading financial statements for dummies and things like that, trying to figure out what I was doing. And I joined a small business group called, it was a Vistage group. 
And in that Vistage group, I spent 15 years honing my business skills. And then I went on and joined Rice University, and I got my MBA. And between the family smarts that I got from being in a family business, which I think teaches you a lot of hands-on skills about customer service and all of that, and then being in this business group with advisors and mentors around me, and then at the Rice University, I learned a lot about business, a lot about growing the business. When I started out, uh, the company uh, was making about $3 million a year annually, and now we're up to $15 million a year. So I was able to take that education and grow my business. And when I was in that Vistage group, I noticed that some businesses were growing while other businesses were stagnant. And I started noticing that there was similarities to the people who were able to grow the business. And there were similarities to the people who stayed stagnant. And what I noticed is that when, when you start a business, the skills you have when you start a business are not necessarily going to get you to scale your business. And I started making notes of all of that. It's about 20 years since I started working um, in the family business, or I came back to the family business, and I decided to write a book called The Growth Paradox. And my kind of pet peeve about business books is I, when you read them, it's, it, and, and when I took my book to the publisher and I had my idea, he said, what's your one big idea? And I said, what do you mean? He said, one big idea, because apparently that's the way they, they promote books. I said, I don't have one big idea. I don't think it's one big idea that teaches people how to grow their business. I think there's a lot of things you need to do. And what I find when I read business books, it's like that one big idea in the first three or four chapters, and then you read this, the rest of the book, and you think, wow, you could have shortened this book a lot, because it just kind of regurgitates the same stuff over and over again. Well, my book is a field guide of everything I wish I would have known when I started my business. So one of the things is, oftentimes we try to hold people accountable. And I think even those words together are an oxymoron. When you hold something, you, you support somebody. And when you want somebody to be accountable, you want them to stand up and do something independently. So when you hold accountable, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. And I found that sometimes at night, I would lay awake and I would think, how do I get this person on my team to do their job? And I would think, well, you know, maybe I could um, give them a bonus if they do their job. Or maybe um, I can just tell them how important it is and, you know, talk to them about it. Or maybe I can threaten to fire them. And if you think about it, if you're laying awake at night thinking about an employee and trying to get them to do their job, and you're thinking about bribing them, begging them, and threatening them, you've got the wrong employee. So instead of holding people accountable, I think it's important to hire accountable people. Now, when I was in this Vistage group, I would hear some things that upset me. So one of the things I heard, and I almost hate even saying it out loud because I find it so viscerally upsetting, is uh, this, this executive would say, oh yeah, people in my company, they're a bunch of idiots. I'm like, ow, that's really painful to talk about your employees that way. And then I was thinking about it, I was like, if you're paying an employee to show up and do a job, and they're not doing the job you want them to do, 
it doesn't sound like they're the idiot. They're getting their paycheck, right? So those are the things that, you know, I started thinking about in my book. And, and I think a lot of times when we get into business, we think about the most important thing is, let's make a lot of money. And making a lot of money, well, yes, that's fun and it's important, but I don't feel fundamentally that that is the reason we're in business. I believe business is about creating value. And I think of the, the value as like a three-legged stool. You have your employees, your customers, and the business owner. And you have to create value for all three in order to grow your business. And sometimes, if you're so focused on money, you undercut the value that you're trying to create. You start nickel and diming employees, maybe cutting benefits. You start trying to kind of reduce the quality of your product so that you can make just a little extra money here and there. Money should be the result of creating value. It shouldn't be the goal. Now, I think that as business owners, I think owning your own business is probably one of the most patriotic things you can do for your company, country, I'm sorry. Um, except maybe being like a civil ser servant, like if you're in the military or you're a firefighter or a teacher. But owning a business is about creating jobs for your community. And what is more patri patriotic than creating jobs for your community, especially if you can create good jobs for your community? Jobs where people go to work, and they make good money, and they feel pride in what they can do. And so while I wrote this book for executives to teach them how to run their business and kind of get off that hamster wheel and scale their business, my secret mission is to create more healthy work environments. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you again next Thursday at 6 p.m. For more information about the Chamber and our podcast, please visit us at ghwcc.org.